And we're off. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to episode 40 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Mitch, your host for the evening, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hi, Mitch. How are you tonight? I'm great. It's a bit chilly here in Melbourne, isn't it? I've got a coat. What? I've got a coat. All right. It's fine. Yeah, it's not too bad. We win when it's hot, we win when it's cold. There's no happiness. Isn't that normally what people do, just bullshit about the weather? Well, if you've got nothing else to talk about, but looking at this run sheet, we don't have time for the weather. Exactly. We've got more than enough to talk about tonight. Yeah, so let's start with gaming as per usual. Yes. So have you been playing anything besides SimCity? Yes, I have. I've actually been quite productive this month as far as my Xbox 360 gaming goes. I've finished a couple of games. That old technology. I've managed to uh, start a few of the games that we shilled on earlier podcasts that I haven't actually got around to playing. So we may as well jump straight into that. We talked about the Fast and the Furious tie-in with Forza Horizon 2. And? That was a freebie last month in April. Mm Mm-hmm. I've played a little bit about it. It's quite good graphically, but then I've been told that it doesn't quite stack up to some of the actual Forza real games. It's slightly dulled down from that, but I liked it. It it was fun enough. I've got to a stage where I'm probably six or seven races in, and even playing on easy, I can't beat one of the timed races that I need to do, so I've actually just put that back on the shelf for a little while. That's like me. I I downloaded the Fast and Furious game, and there was one level with, I just don't know what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to catch up to a tanker on the road and I just can't even get close to it, so I don't know. And yeah, again, it just got pushed to the side. Yeah, well, this one, uh, there's, there's two races that I can do and I can't do either of them. There's one of them where I'm sort of racing a, a Humvee off-road, racing against a helicopter trying to get to a military base, and I just cannot keep up with the helicopter because the minute I try and turn on the dirt, I'm like sliding everywhere even though I've got all the assists on. And there's another bit where I'm in a, I think it's a Supra, and I've got to beat some time and set like good records going through speed cameras. But it, it doesn't really explain it to me. I go through a couple of the speed cameras, and then it tells me I've run out of time, but I, I can't work out what I'm doing wrong. But yeah, I sort of I played that. For a couple of sessions, had a bit of fun with it, and then too hard, haven't gone back. Not bad for the price. Exactly. And speaking of free games, I downloaded Terraria as well, and I gave that about five or ten minutes. And again, got to the point where I had no idea what I was doing. But you love Minecraft. It's different to Minecraft, though. Why? Because it's 2D. Because it's 2D, and <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't quite have the same... Like, in, in Minecraft, you just tap your finger on the screen and you dig there or you do whatever there. Where this is, like, trying to control... I think it's one thumbstick controls your movement and the other thumbstick controls, like, what your action is and stuff. But it was a, a little bit too taxing on my brain, probably. <laughs> so I put it. So, yeah, so I gave up on that as well. But I have actually finished two games this month. One of them, albeit I almost finished it earlier in the year, and that's Sacred 3. My wife and I were playing that just after Christmas around the New Year sort of period and we got to a stage where we were on the final boss level and we weren't quite tough enough so we went back and played one level again and levelled up and then went back and took on the boss with just one more level and it was a piece of piss we did it easy and then it was kind of like five minutes and then the credits rolled and we are like oh that's it then (laughs) so yes but other than that I have actually had a bit of time to myself this month because my wife and her mum went over to Tassie for a weekend and my kids are young enough to go to bed and not need any attention once they go to bed. So once they went to bed, I had three nights of solid gaming. And I looked at how long to beat. And they said the 
2013 Tomb Raider, which was one of the freebie gold, uh, games for gold games April, May, sometime. Anyway, it's a couple of months ago now. And yeah, I thought they said 11 hours to beat that. So I thought, yeah, I can do 11 hours in a couple of sessions. And three weeks later, I finally finished it. So either I remember pe- when 11 hours would have been one session. Yeah, Back I do in remember. The single day. I, I actually, I can remember my wife and I first getting together and playing Gauntlet, Gauntlet Seven Sorrows or Dark Legacy or one of those on the N64, and actually playing till the sun came up and almost finishing that in one session. But yes, Tomb Raider. Uh, I don't know what the people on How Long to Beat are saying. It's either they're speed running for cuts or I just suck at gaming we, because you it, suck at gaming and it turning took me. Lights. Yeah, <laughs> it, it took me a lot longer than eleven hours to finish it, and all I did was story. I didn't do any of the optional tombs or anything like that. So. Yeah, and then when I did finish it, it said I was only 65% of the collectibles, I think it was. So anyway, back. I don't know. I, I'm tempted to go back now that I've I've done it. There's like base camps you can, you can do save points and upgrades and stuff like that. And a little bit into the game, you do unlock fast travel. So you can always fast travel back to one of those previous save points. And there's normally the secret tombs are around the same sort of area where the, the save points are. So if I really wanted to, I could go back and try and find all the the hidden secrets and stuff but yeah i don't know i don't know if i will are they puzzles the secret tombs or are the tombs just the, the tombs are pretty much puzzles so the the tombs that are the, so the optional, secret ones the secret ones so the yeah. optional stuff is your old style what tomb raider was all about but the main story it's more of it's kind of a stealth shooter you could say it is because you've got a bow and arrow i and love the puzzle element that sounds great really the the main part of the game is it's your typical Tomb Raider, so it's third-person action-adventure. It's a lot of, like, traversing, climbing, working... Traversing, that's a, that's a good word, isn't it? It's a great word. And if we were on uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, would that be the word of the day? Sure. Yes. And, yeah, it's like, you know, climbing up walls. You get, like, this pickaxe sort of whatever they call those things, ice pick type things that you climb, mountain climbing, you know, those things. Yeah. There is a term for them, but I can't think what it is. Not traverse. No. No. But you get one of those and you can like jump onto walls and hit the x button to hook yourself in and climb up so yeah there's a there's a bit of climbing there's a bit of like swinging from ropes and that typical tomb raider stuff but there's also shooting and there's like stealth takedowns and like melee kills and stuff which i seem to do better at than i did with the uh, the guns but yeah it, it was fun I, I i don't know if the story was really that good the story's a bit now this is the tomb raider the modern one with the young yeah lara. so it's lara before she's really an so adventure you're, you power up essentially you yeah become you, a cold-blooded killer by the end of it yeah you, you start, start off as an innocent teen that that one yeah, yeah you don't really age that much because it's all set no. over the course of like a couple of days but the the premise is you're i think it's a a, a plane that crashes and then you have to try and find the other survivors and sort out what's going on and there's a few twists and turns as i said the story itself is a bit naff because you know rescue planes come to help you and then like these militia shoot down the rescue planes because they don't want you to get found and yeah it's a bit Mm -hmm. bit silly but thankfully you can skip the cutscenes, which was a good thing because some of them are a bit long and drawn out skip to the end but yeah i i enjoyed it and as i said it was it was a nice way to actually nice. be able to finish a game. Not bad. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of finishing games, I understand that you have finally Finally. Finished. So all you people can be happy to know I have finally finished Far Cry 4. And now onto the DLC? No, no, no. I moved on. I wanted to play something else. And being May the 4th recently, I was like, oh, Star Wars. That was the thing. That's right. Force Unleashed was fun. And they brought out that very disappointing, apparently, Force Unleashed 2. I really should check that out. And then, because, obviously, May the 4th, they did a bit of a Star Wars sale on Xbox, and it was 10 bucks, Force Unleashed 2. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. 
And I remember talking with you years ago when it first came out, the podcast we were listening to talking about games, it was very much maligned because everyone was saying, this isn't a $60 game because it was finished in like six, seven hours, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, so when you said before, it's like, oh, we played for about five minutes and it was over. That's, that's a bit like Force Unleashed too. Okay. <laughs> you feel like you've played for five minutes and that's it. Because I got to a bit where I'm fighting Darth Vader in a big fight at the end. And I thought, oh yeah, he's going to like nick off or something before the fight ends like games do. Yep. You know, when you get to some baddies where they sort of like... Yeah, the, the teaser big boss and yeah. then you fight him later. But no. No. <laughs> Beat okay. him and credits rolled. It's like, oh, that was it. No wonder people were upset. Now, did you enjoy Force Unleashed 1? Yeah. yeah cause... It was Star Wars. It's that third person action adventure game that we talked about previously that's probably my favourite genre yeah. where there's that puzzle element that I do like where it's like how do I do X oh, i got to get over there I've got to do that thing I've got to move from here and Force Unleashed was Star Wars it felt good it felt, and there was all these elements that were like nostalgic for Star Wars and oh that's a cool twist on things and this one felt like DLC for the first one like okay. there was nothing new in it as far as gameplay or looks or anything I mean just, just your settings were a little bit different but it was so short and you're the same character you have yeah apprentice well, technically okay well, question marks on that but that's all part of the storyline but uh, it's just like yeah how did you have the gall to charge full price for this when it is glorified DLC, okay. really. So even at $10, it was probably a bit of a stretch? Perfect for $10. Okay. I got my six, seven hours out of it, and okay. I was happy. And then oh. I bought the DLC for $2, which was on Endor. So you're in Jedi. So you take on Ewoks and Rebels and Han and Chewie and Leia. Oh, okay. Well, that that's meant to be the best bit, isn't it? Being able to kill the Ewoks? I mean, it's fine. But again, I mean, I paid $2, and that's fine. And it was over in... 45 minutes at the most. Okay. Do they blink? I didn't notice. Because they don't blink in the movie. It's kind of, kind of freaky looking. They blink know. in the new ones. Do they? Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's freakier when okay. they blink. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, yeah, okay. so, so that's it. So now I have moved on to Young Justice. Okay. Because I'm a, I'm a fan of my comic games or comic-related things, and I, I don't know why, but it's just something that's been bugging me. It's like, I want to play this because I haven't seen it around. And then I saw it was on sale last week for cheap, so I was like, all right, time to do it. I played about an hour, and I haven't really fought to go back. It, that's it, a it's, shame. It's Cause, like, yeah, there, there's a tendency for comic games to not be good. No, because licensed games, you can say, generally not that good. It's pretty much like Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but it doesn't seem as polished but I'll stick with it. But apparently it's 12 hours long, according to HelenDeBeat.com. So have I got 12 hours in me to play it when I've got other things to do? But we'll give it a go. Yeah. I remember we tried to play Ultimate Alliance's co-op. Yep. Was that Ultimate Alliance 1 or Ultimate Alliance what? 2? Because the idea was we'll do Ultimate yeah. Alliance 1, then go into Ultimate Alliance 2. And then we went back. I know, because everything was just too samey. And that's the problem yeah. with this. is like you're fighting all these minions of un- faceless baddies, and then they just keep spawning. And more is it and that same sort of isometric type The camera work's not even as good. Oh, okay. Like, the camera sort of follow, but it's awkward. Like, you control the camera, but it's limiting. So you're you controlling bought, it around. And, that's a shame. Uh, and you bought this digitally? Yeah. So you haven't even got the uh, the box to put in your collection of all your other no, comic games? No, but I thought if I like it, I'll buy it again later when maybe, but no. Oh, well. Just, you know, go on to one of those websites where you can print out PDFs of the cover and just print it up and put it on your shelf in, a, just in the box. Yeah. So um, put a USB stick in it. Yeah, where I do. Yeah, yeah so I'm um, I'm playing that currently. You're not playing anything new. Not really. As I said, I, I finished Tomb Raider. I, I've I've been sort of 
getting a little bit back into watching wrestling and I, I decided I should maybe fire up 2K15 again and play a little bit of that and I've been going through the Who Got NXT storyline that's on the 360 version to unlock all the NXT characters but other than that I, I haven't really been playing a lot of Xbox gaming I'm, I'm still playing SimCity Build It on the iPad and I did pick up another cheapy puzzle game or free actually puzzle game on iOS called Hero Quest I think it is which is a bit like Puzzle Quest but instead of whereas Puzzle Quest is like an RPG and the fighting element is a match three fighter this is kind of like Scrabble so you're you're building up your character and then you have to win these Scrabble matches kind of thing against other people to progress to the next one and I played a little bit of that but then I kind of got bored with it I don't think it has much longevity okay but um, you being a words with friends and Scrabble person you might want to check it out yes I'm still playing words with friends people I am old school you're not playing draw something though no that that sort of came and went didn't it that was like a massive thing for a while while, but you've got to have people that are interested and people that can draw and it's funny because I remember when we were playing that you were like doing these like massive elaborate sort of artistic drawings and I was drawing stick figures and just yeah well I got myself a stylus and I was trying it was actually for me it was more a chance to practice my drawing yeah exactly as opposed to I was like okay let's have fun with this and then it was all about how can I make it as obscure as possible so you had to sit through all of the drawing yeah. get to the end yeah draw a massive like landscape just for one thing right yeah. at the very end and think, oh that's <laughs> what he's after but, yeah. yeah and that's probably why people stop playing with me exactly all right well that's probably gaming let's move on to television yes there has been a few things starting again as far as television goes the big one i think would be game of thrones is now back for season five game of thrones have you had a that's chance a book, to isn't it? yes it is yeah yes have you had a chance to yes, have a look I'm at any of Game of Thrones? Episode four was it the current? Uh, I think episode five was just oh, five this week. Was, I, haven't I, I haven't seen episode five. I must say I, I'm a little bit underwhelmed, a little bit disappointed. God, what does it take to entertain you? Nowadays? I don't know. Like I, I just think that they've got to a point where it's meandering a little. I know you're meandering. The first two episodes, it just seemed like I sat there for a, you know, an hour each episode, and, and there was nothing happened. And do you forget Game of Thrones every season? I think it I do. does this every season. I think I watch episode nine or episode eight, whatever it is, the good one, and then think, oh, that's a great season. Yeah, then, it builds. Like because I remember every season, I go through the same thing. You're saying because you have that second last episode where everything happens. Then the last episode is all, you know, oh, okay, a bit of consequences for what happened before. And then you're all excited about the next season. And then the next season almost hits a reset button of, all right, here are where all the pieces are at the moment. This is how they are in play, and we'll get towards something. That seems to be the way it goes. Maybe. I, I don't know. Like, my wife has read all the books. I've read none of them. I've read the first two issues of the comic. <laughs> Which is pretty good. But yeah, my wife's read the book and she's now at the stage where she's pretty much given up on watching the TV show because it's veering sort of that far away off the book. She's like, you know, that didn't happen and this shouldn't have happened now and that sort of stuff. So I've actually been watching a couple of the episodes on my own rather than with her. And yeah, I, I don't know. The, the Episode four, I just thought, yeah, just again, there's not really enough happening. And they've fallen into the trap where there is just so many characters. You get enthralled in one character, but then they're they're not in it for a couple of episodes and then they turn up again and it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're doing this and doing that. So. I mean, I don't have a problem. Like, it's not... It's must-see TV as far as it's good. Yeah. I have no problem having my iPad on my phone with me when I watch it. 
Yeah, that's but I have true. to watch it with my wife because she's read the books, and I've got a lot of stupid questions. So who's that guy? What's that? Pretty? So I still have that sort of stuff going. Yeah, I, I do too. But then she gets to the point where it's like, well, I think that's this person, and but I don't really remember what he did in the book and where he was, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't. But know. I'm 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 fine watching. Like, it. I, I'm going to keep going with it because I'm sure it will be worthwhile in the end. I'm sure the payoff will be worth it. But yeah, I don't know. And also speaking of disappointing returns, Silicon Valley is back for the second season. Yeah, and a bit different to Game of Thrones. I watched the first episode and thought, yeah, this is great. You know, TJ Miller's back being TJ Miller and he had some awesome lines in that first episode. But then the next couple of episodes, not a lot has happened. No? Yeah, so a little bit disappointed with that. Kamal Nanjiani had one good episode where his brother from Pakistan was like setting up this app and he was going to donate money via Kickstarter as a bit of a joke. And then they realized that it might actually like reach its target and he had to like fork out this $5,000 that he said he'd pay. <laughs> and he was trying to convince his brother to like drop the uh, the Kickstarter and not do the app, but that that was pretty good because that was you know, you know Kamel centered. But okay. yeah, the rest of the episodes haven't been as good as I imagined. But uh, yeah, what about you, Mitchell? Would you, would you <coughs> your TV for a minute, and then I'll talk about some stuff that I have actually enjoyed. Well, I mean, as is the usual, the Agents of Shield, the Flash, the Arrow, the Gotham's, all the TV show comic-based shows are coming to an end. And they're all ramping up rather nicely. And a couple of them didn't get renewed, I think. No, they're all back. The Constantine's Constantine the one that, yeah. is gone, but Stephen Emmel, who's the actor from Arrow, he seems like the nicest guy in the world. Like he's just saying, Constantine can come and play in the Arrow first. Come on over. It's all good. Yeah, cross over with us. CW, you should buy it. But he's got no clout and all this. But, oh, okay. it's like, but it's nice that he's offering. Yeah, they're all finished up really well. Like, we had a Flash episode with Gorilla Grodd last episode, and it's a big, giant CG fucking gorilla. And it's awesome. Well, that's good. So they're all doing well. I saw the preview today for the six-minute trailer for Supergirl, which I'm actually kind of excited about. I haven't actually seen the trailer. I've seen some of the stills, and she looks pretty good in the. Uh, she looks the very good suit. in the trailer because there's a few trials for the costume, and yeah, she fits in some hot pants, which is nice. Which will only be for the one scene because she goes, "Nope, not wearing this." But still, it looked great. There's some hokey dialogue in there, and there's some hokey sort of plot by the look of it. Like six minutes, they pretty much showed you enough. Like it's like, oh, that's a plot. But she's got like she plays a um, assistant to a big multi multimedia magnate. Close to Flockhart's the magnate. Okay. And it's a bit like Working Girl, if you've seen the Melanie Griffiths movie or whatever. So I would have said oh, it was a Sigourney Betty Weaver maybe. movie. That's Melanie Griffiths movie. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of like that aspect of it, and I could do without that side of it, but there's enough to show other bits, and there's a bit where she sort of rescues a crashing plane, and it's a hero moment. You're looking at it going, that's fucking... I mean, special effects aren't as good as a movie or anything, but it's, uh, you know, that's, that's what you want. I'm on board, so bring on November. That's a nice birthday present to me, is... Hopefully, a really good Supergirl TV show. Well, that's good. Now, we're probably a little bit behind the times because every other podcast in the world has already talked about it, but since we haven't recorded for just over a month, speaking of comic book TV series, what did you think of the Netflix exclusive Daredevil? What did I think of the two episodes I've seen? I thought they were great. Okay, so you're not your typical comic book nerd that sat down and watched all of it in one hit? I I wish I could. Um, (laughs) And it's great to be able to watch something legitimately on Netflix. But I watched the first two before we went away, but we went to New Zealand for a week and a half. So in that time... We got behind on all our other shows. So when it came to coming back, it's only just last week that we actually got up to date on everything. And with everything finishing in the next week or so, anyway, we'll be able to catch up on the rest of Daredevil. But what I've seen, it's pretty damn good. 
Well, that's good. It's better than the uh, Ben Affleck 1990s, 2000. When was the movie? Uh, anyway. 2002, three, something Probably. like that. Yeah. But uh, it's fantastic. Like the second episode, it's got the most amazing fight scene I've ever seen on a TV show. Okay. Well, I'm actually keen to watch that, so maybe I should come around your house and fire up your Netflix and we can watch that together. Yeah, do it. All right. But speaking be- of fight scenes, there was a really good one in Agents of Shield too, which surprised the hell out of me. Like it was all parkourish. Okay. Jumping around, grabbing multiple people. It's like, okay, that's impressive. So everyone seems to be hitting it out of the park. Uh, <laughs> good to hear. Well, other than my little TV watching there of new shows, I have actually been watching a bit of an old show and one of my old favourites from when I was a child. Trapdoor. No. 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 Cat Weasel. No. No. no none of Weasel that. Weasel Gummidge. Very related Cat Weasel and Weasel Gummidge. Wasn't the, the guy that played Cat Weasel, wasn't he the uh, crow master in Weasel Gummidge? Something like that. Anyway. Yes, but no, I haven't been going back quite that far. I went back to the 80s, and I've decided to try and inject a bit of culture in my kids' TV watching. Chase because, the world watches? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, there's only so much Sesame Street and Play School you can watch with your kids. So Terror Hawks. I decided that my children should be exposed to He-Man. Well, he's not wearing much. <laughs> you are exposing him. So, surreptitiously, I was watching a couple of episodes of He-Man through the official He-Man YouTube channel, which I'll just plug again that we mentioned at Christmas. Mm-hmm. They have very good HD resed up versions of full episodes you can watch. And mm-hmm. I was watching an episode and my seven year old decided he didn't really want to watch He-Man and he walked away and then about two minutes later he walked back and he was standing in the doorway of the lounge room sort of spying on the television. And then by the end of it him and his four year old brother both decided they were gonna sit on the couch and watch He-Man with me. And after that we probably now watched at least half of that season of the original He-Man. And a little bit of the two thousand and two reboot He-Man, but they didn't quite like that as much because it's a little bit character uh my eldest favorite char- character i think is orko which i, I really didn't want to tell you <laughs> so yes they were they were sitting there the other day and they were like oh that orko is so cute and i turned around to my wife and went oh mitch thinks orko is something else that starts with c that's also four letters but i won't mention it in front of the kids <laughs> three of those letters are right <laughs> yes but anyway <laughs> you've just thrown my train of thought now but no they really like he-man and they've got to the point where and even like, oh, wow. they're like everything. Actually, my my four year old's favorite is Trapjaw. Oh, he was my first figure because there there was one episode where Trapjaw eats this eternium and it makes him really strong. And like my little one thought that was a really good idea. But <laughs> anyway, I decided that they oh, like he man so much. Porter, so he well, he, he barracks for poor power now because oh. the grandparents barracked for poor power, and he decided that power was better than Essendon, so he's now barracking for their power. <laughs> and he thinks any game of football is the power and anytime he sees the AFL symbol I'm like what does that you know what's that and he's like power (laughs) but anyway he's brainwashed by his grandparents but now I had some of the 2002 series of figures just sitting in a box in my garage and I thought well I'll go on eBay and see if they're worth anything and the merman was selling for like a dollar ninety and ten dollars postage and I thought well bugger this they're creating dust in the in the shed I may as well rip them open and let the kids play with them I don't think you understand how dust work no. no, they but, don't create dust. They gather. <laughs> they do gather dust. But no, so we we uh, we had a big unboxing and we unboxed all my uh, videotape. No idea. I should have. Uh, shouldn't have. Uh, speaking of unboxing, um, Weird Al Yankovic did an unboxing the other week. Yeah, he, he hates the idea of unboxing videos, so he unboxed his Grammy. 
<laughs> and he goes, oh, they've sent me this box here and he's he opened it up and there's my grabby and he's talking about the base. <laughs> it's very clever. So Google, um, you know, Weirdo Yankovic. All right, I might have to look at that. But no, they, they quite enjoyed playing with the uh, the He-Man figures. I had a Skeletor and a He-Man from like 1982 ones still floating around. So they weren't in packets. So they were just loose. Still. And I showed the kids them and they were like, no, we don't want to play with those ones. We want the, uh, the new Super We used to say, no, you don't like the new cartoon. You can't play with the new toys. You've got to play with the corresponding toys. Yeah, so that they've been playing a little bit with the He-Man. So yeah. it's good to see. It's a change from Thomas. Yeah, but, but then they still play with the Thomas and they still play with their Lego. So yeah. Either way, but it's just more toys for them to play with rather Excellent. than sitting in the shed. And one other well, thing... Why are the kids sitting in the shed? <laughs> they more fun than that. But we're sitting in a shed while we're recording here. We break the fourth wall and talk about the magic of the podcast. But anyway, uh, one other thing I have been watching, or two actually I will mention, uh, two other things I've been watching... The new series of Inside Amy Schumer mm-hmm. has started on the Comedy Channel here, and again, that's pretty funny. Very crass humour of Amy Schumer. You either like her or you don't like her, I guess. It's one of those things. But I will mention a little bit more about Amy Schumer later on when we talk movies and yep. setting up our movie challenge for next month. But yes, I recommend that. Uh, I think it's Thursday nights on the Comedy Channel here in Australia. It's quite good. And one last thing I know I've talked about wrestling a lot over the last couple of episodes but well, I mentioned how we met so it's a pretty true common thing I will just mention it one more time we'll talk about wrestling the ESPN E60 documentary behind the curtain on WWE NXT has just been aired in America I don't know if it was on ESPN here in Australia but I actually watched it online and as far as wrestling docos go it's probably one of the better ones that I've seen it's very much like better than Grantham movie Oh, much better. Okay, it doesn't have midgets dressed in like a big trench coat pretending they're one like big tall person. But no, it's... Ready to rumble better than that? Yeah, it wouldn't be hard to be better than Ready to Rumble. <laughs> it's probably on a par with Bad Guys or, or even Body Slam with Dirk Benedict. Oh. But no, it's total shoot. Everyone's you know, referred to by their real names rather than their character names. And it focuses on three guys from NXT. It, it was filmed like a couple of years ago now, so they're now established stars and two, uh, two out of the three that they do cover are on the main roster now rather than being on NXT. But they, they go through their backgrounds, how they came into wrestling, what they're doing in NXT and there's a really good section where it's Triple H and like all of the production crew sitting around or all the booking committee sitting around talking about who they think is going to make it, what they think people should do, how they need to repackage anyone and who they think's like the big guns. And it's it's really interesting to seeing like, you know, Michael Cole, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Michael Hayes, just a lot of big names behind the, the scenes sort of people just sort of talking candidly about who they think is going to make it and who, who's not going to make it. But by far, Adam Rose is the star of the show. And I don't know like how many people really like the Adam Rose character when it first started. I, I was one of those people that as soon as it came out, I thought, yeah, this is gold. This is going to work. And yeah, he just, he is just a nice guy. And I just like his music. His music's very infectious, isn't it? I don't like his indie worker entourage. They're a bit uh, I love too it. much. I don't know. No, too much was a group from wrestling years That's ago. true. But yeah, I, I highly recommend it. So it, it is out there online. You can probably find it by nefarious means if you need to, but I, I would say it dig it up. Down. But yes, E60 behind the curtain inside WWE NXT. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other TV for you, Mitch? <coughs> yes, like I said, I went back. I went to New Zealand a couple of weeks back, so I thought we were staying with my wife's father, who is pretty much off the grid. Like, he was living, like, 20Ks out of a coastal town and then another 12Ks down a dirt road. Okay. In, a, in an old homestead so he did have the internet but it was like satellite internet and 
very limited. So I knew this going, that it was like, all right, I'm going to take all these comics and all this stuff to do. And I didn't read one comic when I was over there. But but I did take a doco inspired by Jinx. We talked about <laughs> Inspired by Jinx, I um, I was looking at other things. Like, when I was looking it up on IMDb, you know how the recommended page oh, okay. comes yep. down? There was a thing called The Staircase. I was like, it's this staircase. And it was a similar sort of thing to Jinx. But what it was, was a, I think it was six part again or eight. We'll say six. I could be lying. And <laughs> Never let the facts get in yeah. the way of a good story. That's our motto and, here. At the and uh, and it's basically about, it starts off with this guy ringing 911. And it's he rings up about his, his wife has fallen down the stairs. And she's not good you know she turns up she's you know ends up she's dead she's dead and it's the it was filmed by studio canal so it was a french company that did it and they and it's this american story and this guy was a um was he in the army he's a writer now he's okay. written a bunch of novels and i don't know if they were true or fiction but they were based on truth but he was in the in the army and has all this history and he's very well known and he actually ran for mayor of his town at one point i think so he's not like a nobody, but he's not a celebrity celebrity. Like, <clears throat> And they've, they've got this camera crew that's following him and his lawyers around in the lead up to the case. And there's sort of some interviews with the prosecutors, but they're not sort of part of the doco. So it's a bit strange in that way. It's like, because I, I didn't want to read anything until after, because it's like, I don't want to see the end of it. Yeah. And this was from 2002. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, so I'm watching all this and they've just got footage with him and they're talking to the family and then they bring out more history and it turns out he's gay and he's been like having extramarital affairs with guys and this all sort of comes out and the prosecutors are all like, well, he's, his wife found out about it and this is a reaction. Then it comes out that when he was in Germany years ago, a friend of the family's like, they all lived on base, you know, so it's, you know yep. the army sort of these communities of like Americans that sort of live in the same thing yeah. and there was a woman there who ended up falling down the stairs and dying as well and it's sort of like hang on there's a mm. history here with this guy he's the one who found it but the, he was never even considered back then but now it's sort of like hmm and two of his daughters what they call daughters are actually this woman's daughters that they've adopted so she's sort of there and they're all standing by him but he's married remarried and the daughter the current daughter of the wife that just died She's sort of like, no, he did it. Where everyone else is like, no, he didn't. And it's just, he's an interesting, charismatic character in another way. Like, I don't really want to meet him. but he's Not as charismatic of, as Robert Durst? In the same sort of interesting, observational sort of way. Oh, okay. But a, a lot more worldly than Robert Durst seems to be. But yeah, so you, you got all this ridiculous footage of this, this, the preparation leading up to the court case and the court case itself. They were allowed to film in the in the court. So you're watching this play out and then you get to the end and I was like, oh, that's strange. I was like, I don't know why and how. And then I read up about it once I finished watching it to see, is this real or yeah. whatever. And I went, it was not real. I just don't know how they got permission. Maybe because it was, in Fran- it was for French. I don't know. Maybe. But then there was actually a, um, a 2012 follow-up, one episode, where they sort of went back to talk to So I'm not going to say anything because people want to go watch it. But yeah, it, it was fascinating. So the whole true crime thing with Jinx and Staircase, kind of cool. Mm. Nice. Mm. Now right. let's, let's make these screens a little bit bigger. 
Yes, have you we'll, been seeing we'll talk any about movies. films? I have a massive list of movies that I've watched this month. A massive list. We have actually got a, a little bit of crossover in our movies as well, so no. maybe what I'll talk about, there is, obviously there's the big blockbuster that we do need to mention, but we might hold off on that and I'll just talk about some of the stuff that I've watched at home first. Okay. There is a couple of newer films that I've watched and a couple of older ones, so we'll go probably the worst of the movies that I've watched recently and I succumb to the hype and watch Fifty Shades of Grey. And that's all I need to say. the biggest piece of shit that okay, I've seen in a long on. time. Don't give it any more time. That's it. Yes, badly written, badly acted. No, don't, don't just bad. it. Just... I, I probably didn't even need to mention it. But another movie that I've watched that was fairly recent that I did enjoy was the latest Night at the Museum movie, the Night at the Museum Secret of the Tomb. Yeah. With Ben Stiller and Owen everybody. Wilson and everybody and one of Robin Williams' last movies. Rebel Wilson. Yeah, she's pretty good in it, playing just that typical Rebel Wilson sort yep. of character. But it's probably... Yes. You just keep Gervais. talking. I will throw names at it. Yeah. There's a really good cameo by Hugh Jackman. Huh? Which was probably the best bit of the whole movie. Okay. So yes, but I won't go into too much spoilers about that. But yeah, he was the highlight of the film for me. But the premise is that the magic that's making everyone come alive is wearing off and they have to go to the Museum of Natural History in London to see the Pharaoh's father or something that knows all about it. So Ben Stiller and his son go off on an adventure and a couple of the the, uh, museum exhibits tag along to help him. Cool. And it is better than two, but probably not as good as one. I've only seen one. See, but one... I did watch three through the gap in the seats on the aeroplane on the way back. So probably oh, not the way to see it. Probably yeah. not. Okay. There, there is a couple of really funny bits with Steve Coogan. Mm-hmm. Sort of vaguely sort of homoerotic references and stuff like the, the Sir Lancelot's in it. And there's a couple of stages where they're just talking about Sir Lancelot and then Steve Coogan is his like Roman gladiator character is like well he's got dreamy eyes and all this sort of stuff and yeah Owen Wilson sort of gives him that sort of hmm, I don't know what you're on about look but no that was really good and another movie that I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would was the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel mm. which is an English comedy with a lot of older English people Bill Nye who I, all the old English yeah Bill Nye Maggie Smith I was going to say Judy Dench but it's it's not Judy Dench yeah it is Judy Dench isn't it it's, I don't know. yeah Judy Dench and yeah it's the story of a bunch of older English people deciding that they would go to this sort of retirement home in India and yeah it was it was typical English humor it had lots of funny lines in it and it was good and the latest one was at the cinema when we watched this one at home, but then by the time we'd got around to thinking about going to the movies, it had finished. So nah. we'll just have to wait for that to come but out on DVD. Another movie that I would recommend is fairly recent was Walk of Shame. I don't know if you know anything about it's that Elizabeth one. Elizabeth Banks, isn't it? Elizabeth Banks is uh, a newsreader on like local cable TV, and she's trying to get a, a national job. And she goes for an interview and then gets knocked back and decides that she's going to go out and drown her sorrows and have a bit of a, a celebration night with her friends, one of which is uh, Gillian Jacobs from Community yep. playing a very sort of straight by the book character but then right at the last minute she finds out that she is going to have an on-air audition because the other person that would have got the job on the cable TV has a bit of a checkered past and they liked Elizabeth Banks because she's like squeaky clean yep. and she's been out 
on the town and had a one night stand and lost her car because her car's been impounded and she hasn't got her wallet and her phone and she has to uh, get back in time to go on air and do her news report and it's kind of like a modern retelling of A Night on the Town or Adventures in Babysitting as the US calls it mm-hmm. with a bit more of an adult twist what a twist so yeah it's her in this sort of like skanky yellow nightclub dress running across Los Angeles trying to get back I to I do her, like Elizabeth Banks trying to get back she to actually directed report. Pitch Perfect 2 did, you know did she? Yes. I didn't know that as her directorial debut. Yeah, but I, I would recommend it. it. It has a lot of very funny bits. It sort of started off a little bit slow, but by the time you realise that she's you know, got to get back to the audition, mm-hmm. it picks up and there's some really good bits. Cool. Yeah, a lot of like good side characters and stuff in that. But anyway, all right, we'll talk about some of your movies and then we'll talk about the two movies that we've both seen. Okay. Uh, well, keeping with the real world or documentary sort of feel, I saw Going Clear, which every other podcast has talked about in the last month. So just a quick premise. It is the um, expose on the alleged truth behind Scientology. Okay. Which is uh, definitely worth seeing. Just to, if you hear and don't quite understand what the fuss is all about with Scientology, this sort of helps. But I went through on a bit of a Scientology kick a couple of years back and watched all the docos I could on them. So it was nothing really new. It was evil before, but ever since Elrond died and the guy who took over, and I forget his name, Savage or something, he's... Randy, Randy Butcher-Mad Savage. No, he is, he is evil. Okay. Like, and, and that side of it is fascinating, and you're going, this is kind of bad. But I've seen other sides of Scientology, which are really bad as well, but they weren't coming in this doco. Or... So it's the premise is it's a couple of people that have got out of Scientology and now they're telling the story. Well, this, is, the a, truth, this is a guy who wrote the book on Scientology, so it's based on his his book. Like This is a guy who also wrote a thing on the Jonestown Massacre and stuff like that. So this guy's done exposés on all this. So they've just turned his book and gone and... <laughs> They have got interviews with people who have gotten out as well as showing a lot of, like, real footage and and things like that. They've got footage of different things. Because, I mean, it is a real company and real company. Yeah, it's a church. Well, it is a company, really, isn't it? They're making money. Yeah, you'll you'll see exactly how much they're making this. So uh, it's definitely worth seeing for that. It's it's pretty amazing. I saw The Lone Ranger. Don't know why. Had we previously talked about this? I thought you'd seen it before. I've not seen it before. Okay. You have? No, no. It's um. I it's, heard it's, it's it was long. it was two really good action pieces with two hours of boring movie. Yeah, between. pretty much. I compared it to Green Hornet, where you've got the Lone Ranger, like the Green Hornet, as a masked guy in a hat who's incompetent, and his assistant is doing all the work for him. Like Tonto is the Cato, and. I don't know why they made him incompetent. Like, I remember the TV show when I was a kid, and he's just this very proud, stoic man. Almost like a Batman, he was so honest and true. But now he's sort of not that good, he's a bit quirky and comedy. It's like, why? You want me to get behind him, he's the hero, yet you've turned him into a a knob. Well, is that because they had a bigger name actor playing Tonto than they did the Lone Ranger? I've no idea, but they could have. I don't know, just tonally, it was just a bit weird. I don't know if they got it right. But anyway, so... That was about it. I mean, the, the action sequences were good, but it was just like, eh, whatever. Pretty forgetful. I saw Divergent, but you talked about that a couple of episodes ago, so everything I you said... I think it was yes. about this time last year that we actually was talked it? about Divergent. Yeah, it was just after Easter that I saw that. And um, I really didn't care. Like, Sally, we were staying with my wife's brother, and he just was putting on movies. Oh, this was all right, let's watch this. And I didn't really give a shit, and I was sort of like looking at playing on my iPad for uh, the first half hour. 
where it was a bit dull and then it picked yeah, up I, and by the um, second half I'm like hang on I'm, I'm watching the movie <laughs> it's strange because I think it fell into that trap that the Hunger Games was good and it was like a strong female yep. sort of character leading the movie so they and again the book is I think it was actually deal, but. not better than the Hunger Games but the Hunger Games is better because Jennifer Lawrence has got much more charisma yep. and the premise of the Hunger Games was interesting where I think this was actually better I do like the idea that you're kind of born into like the house that you're uh, in so that bit I didn't give a shit of it that's when I was reading my iPad but once it all sort of plotted down and was going I was like oh I'm actually watching the movie here so yeah. it wasn't bad but I've heard the second one so it was good I, I did like the, the Aussie guy that plays the main male character I can't think what his name is right now but I thought he was he was pretty well done and Lenny Kravitz's daughter Zoe Kravitz it's quite funny bad. that yeah. Zoe Kravitz is in that and Lenny's in Hunger Games yeah that's kind of weird but no I, yeah I, I don't know I, I didn't overly enjoy Divergent when I saw it but then maybe if I saw it at home rather than shelling out the bucks to see it at the cinema oh, maybe I would have liked yeah, it maybe I also caught up with Exodus Gods and Kings, which is Ridley Scott's, you know, biblical epic. And again, it's something Sally's brother put on, which I didn't really care about. And by the end of it, I'm like, fuck yeah. But the iPad was down. I was watching it. But there was a lot of talking at the start. But then it was all about the plagues at the end. And it was like, fuck, this is um, full on shit. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Was it as good as the book? <laughs> I've never read the book. <laughs> Didn't they bring out rock monsters or something? Or is that Noah that has the rock That's monsters? That's Noah, okay. which is now on Netflix, and I've put it in my queue. Oh, so okay. I okay, kind of want to watch it now. Uh, I saw Taken 3. Which I have also seen, so okay. this is the first of our two crossovers this All month. Right, fair enough. I saw it on a plane, which is the best way to see a film. Yeah, I saw it on a Friday night with a couple of beers sitting at home, eating a bag of chips, and I think that was probably the best place to see it as well. Yeah. Again, probably not as good as Taken 1, but better than Taken 2. Yes, that my, 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 nothing's better than Taken well, nothing. As Taken films, nothing's going to be that. <laughs> Taken Two is a dog. This yes. is definitely better than Two. Taken Two does have some good moments, though, like when his wife's hanging upside down, bleeding out, and possibly going to die, and the daughter's like, "How, how is she going?" And like Liam Neeson's like, "Your mum's fine." And I thought that was just great. <laughs> it's just like it, it, it's over for me. The Taken, it's like, oh, we get it. it, it, it it's just. Go. Yeah, some of the action scenes were pretty good, but they didn't live up to that Taken 1. No, sort I mean, of the frenetic. whole thing of the first one was so exciting because you had no idea Liam Neeson could be this kick-ass. Yeah. Now you know he's this kick-ass, it just doesn't matter. Like, but that's why I think they got it better. They got the balance better in the third one, but again, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, because he had his sort of backup crew that, with his yeah. tech guy which, and all that sort of Which I think would make it a more interesting movie if it became a bigger movie as opposed to a smaller movie. And they had the corresponding character in this time with Forrest Whitaker playing the cop tracking him down. Yep. And he was kind of cool, almost if they wanted to do a franchise spin-off, maybe in the same or, way. Or a crossover with The Last Stand. He was almost the exact same character that he was playing in that movie. The Last Stand. The Arnie movie where Forrest Whitaker oh, yeah. was the FBI agent. It was the same same fucking It could have been the same role. guy. Exactly. Okay. Ineffectual because he's never there. <laughs> but he's a bit observant. Anyway. Even with his wonky eye. <laughs> that was Taken 3. Something else I did see on the plane that you mentioned a couple of weeks, episodes ago, was Pride. Yes. And I picked on you for it. And I saw it on the plane. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And I'm not too proud to say, teared up a little. Is that because of the atmosphere in the plane? Everyone tells me that when they go on planes, it makes their eyes water. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I, I cried because I'm... <laughs> Because it was a damn good film. I, I liked it. I, I just enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I loved it. As I said last month, I thought it was really good. There was a slow bit in the middle. 
I did maybe buy it on DVD this week. Not for me, for my mum, but still, it's, I can borrow it at any point because exactly. it was that damn good. The worst bit was, like I said, watching it on the plane, 10 minutes to go, we landed. So it took me 10 days to watch the last 10 minutes of the movie <laughs> on the way back. So you but didn't know what happened to everybody? No, and I couldn't look on Google because I didn't want to ruin it. It was based on a true story. You could yeah. have just looked them up. Right? It could have, but I'm not like you. I don't ruin things. No. Well, we were I, watching bloody Jinx and you were looking at the wiki as we were watching the second episode. It's like, what are you doing? Hmm. Yes. Anyway. All right. Well, that's probably enough back talk. We should probably jump into the two big blockbusters. I'll, I'll let you go first with the one that you've seen that I haven't yet, and then we'll talk about the other big monster blockbuster. Yes. All right. I have seen Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm sure everyone else has talked about it. My take is not as good as the first one. Could it ever be? Don't know. What it is, is a good film. Is it butthurt-inducing anger that has made people force Joss Whedon off the internet? No. Has it got problems? Like all films, there's not many perfect movies out there. Cool as Ice is one of them. But <laughs> The Room. Yeah, The Room. It, it, it's fine. The problem with the first one is you had no idea it could work, and he pulled it off. And you had the highs of the high with the big fight of New York at the end. This, you got that expectation of, like, you've done it before, do it again. Well, unless he escalates and knocks it out of the park, it's always going to be disappointing. So it's not disappointing. It's quite good. There's elements that are quite silly. Elements that work really well. You just didn't come away going, I want to see that again, which I got with Guardians of the Galaxy, which I got with Captain America Winter Soldier, which I got with the first Avengers. So I don't know why. I can't point at anything to say it's not as good. Is it because Loki's not in it? I don't think. Well, he wasn't in Guardians and he wasn't in Winter Soldier. All right. I just don't know. And I think there's a lot of things that are leading to something else. And my only criticism would be, like, I've talked about I don't like Man of Steel. I didn't like Man of Steel. I'm coming around to Man of Steel as a film. Not my Superman, but as a film and as the building blocks towards a DC cinematic universe. And I have no idea where it's going. I'm seeing more and more with Batman v Superman. And it's like, okay, it's, it's something. I'm on board to see what that is, but I have no idea. This is Avengers Age of Ultron. I know what Ultron was. I know what this sort of thing. So all that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm seeing what you, where you're going with this. I also know the slate of the next Marvel movies for the next five years. So I know that next is Captain America Winter Soldier. I know after that we've got Avengers Infinity War Parts 1 and 2. And so this is the wrapping up of, what do they say, Phase, phase two, 2 and now Phase 3 but starting. But there's all these plot things leading into the next one. And you're sort of feeling like, the other, one, the first Avengers movie felt like the culmination of everything. Well, it kind of was because you'd yeah, well, seen was. you'd seen Iron Man, you'd seen Thor, mm. you'd seen Captain America. And they this came is them together. together. Where this is, oh, this is the planting the seed for that. There's planting the seed for that. There's planting the seed for that. And yes, it, it's a it's a movie in itself, and it ends. But it's just like, oh, okay, we're we're planting as opposed to if you didn't know what was coming, it would be a bit more exciting. But because we know what the slate is, or I know what the slate is, and I've read a lot of the comics that it's all based on, it's sort of like, okay, well, that's that, and that's that, and that. That's that. So it's a bit too in-house in that way. Yeah. Do you think it's a little bit because you know too much, you're not enjoying it? So the average non-comic reading Marvel movie fan would probably enjoy it more? Probably. Maybe. Hmm. I, I just like I know where it's going. I know where that's going. I know where this is going. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I I do plan on seeing that. I oh, it's saw definitely the, worth seeing. I mean, it's still a very good film. I saw the trailer when I was at the cinema recently, and I thought to myself, well, it didn't give me that buzz that the original it did. So maybe I don't know. I probably should see it on the big screen, I but I may so. wait till it comes out. On yeah, because I went. And I met my friend at the cinemas to see it, and he got the wrong cinema to me. He's like, "Do you want me to get you a ticket?" I was like, "Well, I'm here." where are you and he goes I'm here it's like well I said here and he goes well do you want to come to me it's like 
I'm at the one with the extreme screen. You're at the one with pissy little screens. You can come to me. So I saw it on the bigger screen. Not possible because there's an IMAX around here, but I didn't bother doing that. Okay. All right. Well, that's Blockbuster 1. The no, other Blockbuster big... J, that's, that's me. Okay. The other big Blockbuster that we have both seen, and we did see separately, which is a bit of a shame because we were hoping to have a massive attack excursion, and that is obviously Fast and the Furious 7. Now, I saw it with friend of the show, Joel. We went and saw it on the first Sunday night after it started, and we had probably the first time in a long time that I've been in a cinema where every seat in the house was filled. Uh, you What day was it? Sunday. Uh, the Sunday following opening. Yeah. Okay. Easter Sunday too so it was a oh, Sunday of a long weekend, weekend. Yeah. but it, yeah it was a massive weekend for it there was a lot of hype over the movie Full full House which I thought was really good a lot of douchebags in the audience wearing where did you see it? Greensboro oh if it was not that it was a yeah, guaranteed no. douche no but there was a lot of like you know car head douchebags in the audience but I enjoyed well, Greensboro it. Greensboro is the cinema I told my friend not to go see Come to Northland. Well, we went to Greensboro because Sunday nights is the cheap tickets to Greensboro oh, so we thought yeah I, That's how you tribute Paul Walker, by getting the cheapest possible tickets possible. Exactly. Thanks. We didn't go on Cheap Night Tuesday. We went on Cheap Night Sunday. But anyway. I, I went Tuesday. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as probably Fast Five. Nothing is as good as Fast Five. Or Tokyo Drift, for that matter. Oh, I thought Tokyo Drift. Drift was probably the best of the car racing Fast and the Furious movies. I just think they've got to the point now where they've done Fast Five, and it's kind of like, how do we top that? I don't have a problem with this. But yeah, the, it, they, they haven't topped it, but no, at least they're trying. It, to me, it seemed like it was a lot of really good action scenes that didn't really mesh well with each like, other. It, it didn't join up. Now, that this well. is the first one direct, since Tokyo Drift, which is part three. Yep. They've all been directed by Justin Lim. Yes. Up until this one, which is James Wan. Who is famous for Saw. the Saw franchise? Yes. He's an Aussie. Yes. Now, the thing is, he's got it right. Like, Tokyo Drift was, yes, another Tokyo um, Fast and Furious movie. Then he made Fast and Furious. Then he made, yeah, there's four. Then he made Fast Five. Yeah. Yeah. So he's escalated beautifully. And six was not five. Five is a near perfect movie. Five, six had some great moments. It just didn't quite, wasn't as good. And I think the fact that they had that big fight scene with the sort of runway that went forever and that plane not being able to take off distracted from the ending a little bit. If you think about it. And this one, unfortunately, it it does what it's it's trying to do. And I I admire them for trying to escalate and doing more of, and that's great. And it was different. It just didn't hold together as well. Like, I think under Justin Lim, it would have been a better film. Like, he, he would have just tightened things up a little bit. I don't know why, yep. but I just think he would have. But there's a scene where they're trying to get away from people. Like, the, the set pieces are ridiculous. Like, oh, there's only this one bit of road. We can't get to it. But if you parachute into it, that's fine. But that means you've got to get out somehow. Yeah. I mean, there's just some weirdness there. But he's got these big fuck-off tyres on the back of his Camaro that's been souped up and made bulletproof and with, um, you know, four-wheel drive tyres on it. And she goes, put your helmet on. Why? Because they're cornered on the edge of this cliff. And he's turned around, he's faced the edge of the cliff. And I was like, put your helmet on. I thought he had a plan. No, he just he drive just down drove the hill. He just the edge, yes. And it was sort of like, that made no sense whatsoever. And they just crashed the car, essentially, by going down the cliff quickly. Yeah. I, I think the Jason Statham bad guy character was good but I didn't like the fact that he always knew where they were going to be and just turned yeah, up. The plot was yeah. just convenient. Everything happened because it had to not because it made sense. They didn't write a plot around All right, what would happen in this situation. It was like we need this to happen in this situation. So those sort of things were just a bit eh and they've travelled the world. It's exotic. It's all good but something Justin Lim had done like the first Fast and Furious movies there was a lot of fixation on the girls with their 
tiny little booty shorts. Cameron's pretty much living in their cracks. Yeah. You know, and shaky boobs, all this sort of stuff. Now, Justin Lim did that in Tokyo Drift, and it's sort of there, but what he'd done over his movies is they got smaller and smaller, and it became less of that. Yeah. But then this time around, they've done that again, and, and probably worse than they have since the first movie, if not the worst yet, as far as, like, a very, very pert ass, I must say. Yeah. But the camera living in it for 20 seconds, and so, okay, that's excessive. It, even I felt that was excessive. It just wasn't even that first scene where there were race wars either. It's like oh, when, they, that one. But when then they turn up to Abu Dhabi and yeah, there's, like, and girls wandering around in, in Yeah, and then and one of the main like characters does the whole walk out of the ocean scene and close up on the jiggly boobs. And it's just like, this is not what this movie's become. No. Stop doing... This is not what we were. And... It's funny because I, I may mention this, but like I'm, my eyes have been open to the sort of the world of feminism and all this sort of stuff in the last few years. So I'm noticing things like the male gaze in cinema and all these sort of things. And you realize that it's not cool. We don't need these sort of scenes anymore. You could point to Fast Five and I could show that to a feminist and say, this is fine. You could show Fast Six and say, this works too, because as much as I hate the Bechdel test... <laughs> In films, the Bechdel test is all these different things that show that... The what is it? It has to be two women, two women talking about something other than a man or something. That's one of the requirements yeah. of it. And, yeah, and it does pass these things. You've got more than one... Well, got to have more than one woman in it and all these sort of things. And you do. There are strong female characters. It's not a white cast. There's African-American, there's Hispanic, there's... Um, Japanese. Yeah, so it, it is... And Paul Walker is the white bread, the whitest of white, but he is the only white person in it as far as, like, the main cast. Yeah. And it's like, it is the most racially diverse cast of anything in a blockbuster at the moment, because you look at the Avengers, it's all white guys called Chris. So, I mean, you can't really stop that. And it's really good. And you've got strong female leads that hold their own, not damsels in distress. Yeah. Jordana Brewster, but that became her role in the movies. But and it's sort of like, this is great. And then this one's become gone back to that ogling of women a bit and stuff. I was like, oh, it's just not quite as good as the others. Still great. I mean, it's still a, a venture out to the cinemas to watch movie. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's not a bad one, but it's just, if you're comparing it to Fast Five, yes, it fails. Because I, I think a lot of people have ventured out to the cinemas to watch it, because it's already cracked like 1.4 billion. Good on you, and that means we'll get another one, because they're fun. Yeah. And that's all you... And like you're saying, with Avengers, I know what's coming, to an extent. Fast and Furious, I have no fucking idea. Yeah, well, the, again, they just keep going more yeah. over the top. And One thing we won't be having in the next one is Paul Walker. Yeah, and I do like the way they handled the sort of... It, obviously, it was a tacked-on ending that they put the tribute and to Paul on the end. But they did it well, I they, think. They did very well. Uh, I think that was by far the best bit of the film for me. Goosebumps now thinking about Yeah. I, I, it's interesting, though, because I, obviously knowing what happened to Paul Walker, I went into the movie thinking, I wonder if I'm going to be able to tell how yeah. much he'd, he'd filmed and which bits weren't him and that I sort of stuff. I personally didn't notice. Yeah, I don't think I did as well. And then reading afterwards, they, they didn't change a lot. They just got his brother and someone his else in his it. body doubles yeah. and, and like morphed them. But, I mean, some of the plot in there, like, I don't know how much was rewritten because it's almost like they knew. Like, there's some scenes that he's in and the dialogue's there and it's like, it's almost like they knew. Well, the whole premise was that he was going to leave the, his the family. Yeah. But then, obviously, he has left because he's not going to be around anymore. But, yeah, some of the dialogue was was terrible yes like the bit where they're having the street fight and Vin Diesel's like well, the street always wins and yeah. yeah lines like that just make you groan when you're in the cinema the trailer watching. moments and there's a few of those and not enough rock no because he's really just the start and the end and it goes the whole it's time it's like Jackie Chan in the way like he stars films if yeah. anyone knows what that reference is but no I, I'm glad I saw it at the cinema I'm glad I saw it 
opening week before there was with an audience spoilers wasn't great. Yeah, it got to the point where people were cheering at the yeah, right bits. That's what you it was, yeah, it was it was a good see it in a group movie. Yeah. It did make me want to come home and watch Tokyo Drift again. Cuz you know, I I think Tokyo Drift is probably the best of the racing fast movies. I do like Fast 5, but I must say I haven't gone back and watched Fast 6 since I've no. seen that, but I've seen Fast 5 like a handful of times but yeah that that was the fast movie well one more movie before we move on and we did watch the spoof of the fast and the furious movies called super fast and expecting it to be utter shit because it's a low budget spoof movie too so it's not made by the scary movie guys it's a lot cheaper than that but i gotta say i was entertained by it yeah the guy that they picked to be the paul walker character had quite a lot of charisma it was a bit too bill and ted-ish a bit too derpy. A little where, bit. Where the guy who played Vin, he played it really well. Yeah. Like, he played it straight. And that's the way to get a, one of these spoof movies to work, is you got to play it straight. Someone asked Leslie Nelson how they did Flying High or Airplane in America. It was like, how'd you, how'd you film them without, you know, cracking up and laughing? Because we did it a lot of times. Yeah. And it stops being funny once you've on your 20th take or whatever. But you've got to play it serious. The jokes can be there, but you've got to play it serious. And if you watch the scary movies as they get on and get worse, they play for jokes. Yep. They, don't, they don't play the movie. So there's elements here that work. The guy that was the rock character was really well done. And yep. they were just picking up on the, the, the baby oil and on the arms and the sweat. And, <laughs> How's his t-shirt? Does it look tight? Do I need a size smaller? <laughs> yeah, that sort of stuff. That was good. And I did like the fact that the characters were named after the actors that played them. Like, it was yep. Michelle and Giselle and that sort of stuff. They kept playing off Michelle. Yeah, they kept playing um, off of Michelle Rodriguez being a lesbian. And, and it was just <coughs> better than it should have been, I think. They obviously love the movies and picked the moments that were. Anyway, but the, the guy that played the best friend, I thought, did it really well. He was good. And the bad guy... There was a few scenes where the bad guy and his henchmen are just doing this back and forth. And I don't know if they're funny guys naturally, because they were just obviously riffing off each other. And it was really good stuff. It didn't almost work in this movie because it felt like it was something out of a comedy, not a spoof. Yeah. And at the end, they actually showed, like, deleted... The outtakes. They weren't outtakes. They were just not used takes. Yeah. It was just them having banter back and forth in a car. And they were actually really funny people. It's like... This is shouldn't shouldn't be funny. It shouldn't be good. It isn't. But man, um, I enjoyed it. Like, <laughs> Again, I, I probably enjoyed it more than I should have enjoyed it. I think. But yeah. So if you're a fan of the fast films, and you, you got to know them, otherwise you'll not get nothing out of it. If you really know the fast films and you like them, especially, especially the early Fast Five, it, and, it, and there's the a lot one. of Fast Five in it, especially the Rock's character. There's a lot of yeah. like his um, stuff. Definitely check out Super Fast. It's it's worth your while. Okay. All right. Well, that's probably our movies for this month. I did mention earlier about Amy Schwimmer and I said I'd bring something back up at the end of the show. <laughs> Talk about the jigs again. Robert, Robert Durst style, yes. <laughs> how, how did they not know? I, I didn't kill that woman. Uh, anyway, enough Robert Durst, enough spoilers, but I was watching the third episode of this season of Inside Amy Schwimmer and she did a whole episode that was a take on 12 Angry Men and she did 12 Angry Men Inside Amy Schwimmer and it was a bunch of you could say B-grade celebrities it was like Jeff Goldblum and Jeff Jeff Goldblum Jeff Goldblum is not B-grade Paul Giamatti and he's an Academy Award winner Jeff Goldblum was in Jurassic Park these are not B-grade people thank you but they did a take on 12 Angry Men and they were a jury that was deciding whether Amy Schwimmer was hot enough to be on television television or not and basically the, at the start they all thought she wasn't and then there was one guy that had the doubt and and who was that uh, that was 
Martin Starr, Mark Starr, who was in Deadwood and he was in Eastbound and Down. He's been, he's quite a okay. famous sort of, you recognise him if he's very fast. Yeah. But yeah, there was, you know, enough sort of, actually Kamal Nanjiani was in it as well. Yeah. And it was actually a really good episode and we were watching it and my wife sort of turned around and said, have you seen 12 Angry Men? And I was like, well, no, I haven't. And she's like, well, it would probably oh, make it, it, a hell of a lot more sense if I had. So... In true Massive Attack podcast... you worked at the Centrelink in Footscray, you would have seen more than 12 Angry Men. Oh, I've seen plenty of Angry Men. But I didn't know... I knew the premise of 12 Angry Men, the fact that they were a jury Mm. initially all agreeing that the guy was guilty and then by the end of it they had reasonable doubt. And in this episode of Amy Schwimmer, they were deciding whether she was hot enough and they had to... Did she write this skit? This sounds like someone a bit needy. It's like, I'm not hot enough, but I need to be told that I'm hot. Well, I think it's it's an ongoing theme in Amy Schwimmer that she thinks she's hot but other people don't but anyway so it was they were deciding whether there was reasonable chub and it, it was quite a good episode but anyway i i realized i hadn't seen 12 angry men and, and then we thought that we normally do our cop movie challenge around this time of year mm-hmm. so i should watch 12 angry men so we went on imdb to look at some other old classic movies that i hadn't yeah. seen like you're more of the old movie buff than yeah. than i am by far yep but we went to IMDb and we realised that the year that 12 Angry Men came out, 1957... So that's a pretty kick-ass year. Yeah, it was a, a very well, kick-ass year. Well, we don't know. There's all the films we've seen. We haven't seen, but they're movies that we know or so, we've heard of. Yeah, so we looked at IMDb and we looked at the top 10 movies from that year and probably the top four or five of them were all movies that we hadn't seen. I've, I've seen one of them when I was quite young, but I don't really remember. I haven't seen any. So we are now going to go and watch 12 Angry Men, Bridge on the River Kwai, The Seventh Seal, and we're still not sure whether we're going to watch either Funny Face or Paths of Glory. But I also want to add Witness the Prosecution in there as well. So some of those. Yes. We don't know so which. We're going to pick four classic movies, mm. depending on whether we can get our hands on them. I know my wife's got a copy of the DVD of 12 Angry Men, so we'll be watching that on DVD. We will look for other ways to get our other hands come on Netflix maybe I don't know are they old uh, too old to be on Netflix Netflix has got everything okay so yes next month we will be back to our cult movie challenge 1957 edition so yes well it will be interesting to see how they stack up I know as I've said it before I'm not a huge fan of the old sort of cinema style back in the 50s and 60s so yeah uh, I think you had to have a better attention span in those days it was less about shoving it in your face and more about you working the plot by actually watching the movie don't shove it in your face you've got to work the balls what sorry <laughs> yes so, so we'll go back and we'll watch that so next month we will be back with the comp movie challenge excellent but that's probably that's a good place plenty. to wrap up this month yes we are quite spoiler heavy with a couple of things this month so mm-hmm. if you haven't seen The Staircase We've probably ruined that for you, so it's probably late for us to mention it now. Okay. All right, then. I won't mention that. So, as you... Apparently, there is a a movie version of The Staircase where they've cut it down to, like, a two-hour block. You can probably just watch that. Okay. I watched, like, yeah. Well, there's there's a 1990s version of 12 Angry Men that was made for, like, some TV. That's not Henry Fonda. You're not watching that. No. And it's not 1957. No, it's 1993 or something. But, no, no, we're not going to watch that one. We're going to go back to the original classic, Mm -hmm. Black and White. Damn straight. How TV was meant to be watched. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you have any feedback for us, we are on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. Drop us a line on email at themapodcast at gmail.com. Look for us all the places you normally find podcasts. Yeah. And yeah, until next month, dig up those movies, watch them too, and you can come and talk to us with us next month. Yeah, so super fast. Do yourself a favor. Exactly, as Molly used to say. Alrighty, until then. Thanks, Mitch. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. I gotta go, gotta go. If
Close up on those jiggly boobs. 